Welcome to the Cross Knowledge Podcast. Here we discuss the trends, opportunities, and challenges of corporate digital learning. Let's meet today's host. Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Kanika Punch, a learning design consultant and your host for the day. With an extensive learning and development background, I help organizations invest in their people and make the best of all available opportunities for learning. I'm joined today by our expert and my very talented colleague, Anya Emons. Anya, can you tell our listeners about your expertise, please? Hi, Kanika. Very pleased to be here today. Really looking forward today because we are sharing some of the newest things that we have been researching. And well, my expertise is very closely connected to research. So my name is Anja Emons. I'm working for Cross Knowledge and I'm actually working for them as a research manager. So there my research expertise actually comes in, but I'm combining my position as a research manager with a PhD on everything that has to do with online learning behavior and of course learning climate and culture so lots of things to say and as i already stated we are here today to share a little bit of our newest research which is actually a collaboration between maastricht university and cross knowledge and it was actually due to the pandemic that we started doing this new research and we hit upon a few new trends and everything actually led us to online learning, but as well to digital well-being and digital learning. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you, Anya. How about we begin with the good news first? Do you have any benefits or anything to share with us about remote working? As we noticed, the pandemic hit us quite hard, uh, especially cross-knowledge itself. We started working remotely. We went fully digital and it gave us some benefits and some difficulties. So that first question that you're posing, it's a really interesting one to kick off with. We actually kicked off within our research as well to, to look at what does the research say. And afterwards, we validated this through a lot of talks with clients through round tables and stuff. So there was a lot of validation rounds going on and we actually found some really interesting benefits there. We actually found four. So the interesting thing there is that the first uh, benefit that we could find was working anywhere. And I think that's a really interesting one to kick off with because that really does say a lot about digitalization. It's something that we experience ourselves every day as well. At a cafe, you can work in a working place and, of course, you can work from home, as we have been doing for a while now. So that really is a big benefit. The next benefit that we could find is actually job autonomy. What we saw was that when people started working from home, they actually felt that they were getting more choices in their job. So more choices on where to spend their time, how to spend their time, who to spend their time with as well, but also in their daily working life, which tasks they found interesting. And that kind of bled into the learning aspect of it as well. We could see that they were feeling more engaged in learning because they felt that they were having more choices in their learning. The third benefit that we could find was actually increased productivity. People are actually super productive when working from home. And that's one of the things that a lot of companies were asking us questions about at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were forced to all go digital, a lot of companies were struggling a little bit with this idea, oh, if we send this workforce home, will they still be working? What we actually found through research is that 
we're more productive working from home than we are at the office. We're actually 13% more productive. That's amazing, isn't it? Wow, it is. It's yeah. a big number, 13%, yes. It's a lot, but those 13%, it's actually because we're feeling guilty because we're not at the office. Isn't that a funny fact, Kanika? <laughs> that is quite funny. And also what I find funny is that change of attitude. Yeah. In previous times, working from home, people assumed you were slacking off. You're not really doing anything. Whereas the seeing the increased productivity, that's quite an interesting idea. You did promise us four, so I'm hoping you're going to give a fourth benefit. My last one that I would love to touch upon is a better work-life balance. So a lot of these people that we interviewed, and we could find this back in literature as well, were stating that they had a better work-life balance working digital and working remotely. Because at that moment in time, the commute, of course, it fell away. So it was a lot easier to arrange your work life with your daily private life. So it gave us more time. And that might explain a little bit that productivity and that guilt that is connected to it as well. Because people felt, oh, if I'm working from home, I really need to prove that I'm working. So I need to show that I'm there. And it actually bled a little bit into that better work-life balance. And if I'm really honest, we all profit a little bit from it, especially me. When I have a, a break during lunch, I might not just take a sandwich, but I also throw in a little bit of laundry because, hey, it's lunch. I'm having my break anyway. And there's multiple people that can relate to that, that are working longer hours because they do feel guilty, but they are also having a really good balance with the daily private life. And that kind of, it hits upon all the sweet spots that we love about working from home. Absolutely. I have to admit, I've never been fitter in my life. Yeah. <laughs> this working from home has made me, given me the time to actually finish my work and, and go out and do some exercise and stuff. So yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. With all the good <laughs> comes a bit of bad, unfortunately. So should we talk a bit about any difficulties or challenges that have come from this side? Yes, unfortunately, where there are benefits, there are difficulties as well. And again, I will share four of these difficulties with you. So the first difficulty that we could find was actually the feeling of isolation. With working remotely and, of course, probably connected to the pandemic as well, we could see that people were starting to feel more isolated than ever. So what we actually saw is that the networks that people were having, they were shrinking. And the pandemic has contributed to that because we were all stuck at home, so we couldn't really go out and see our friends or see our family. But on top of that, we also see that remote working actually is something that isolates people. So this was already a risk or a difficulty before that pandemic hit. So it probably hit us a little bit harder than normally now. And what we actually saw before the pandemic was that people were feeling much more isolated from the working space and from their colleagues. So that already was a risk before the pandemic and it just translated into a much bigger risk now because of the current environment. So we're actually all really glad to go back into the office and to be in the new wave to reverse that part. However, what we actually know is it's always the combination, going to the office and remote working that is optimal. So there is still something to keep in mind. What we also saw as another difficulty is, of course, technical challenges. I think 
Yes, those technology, sometimes it just, yeah, it leaves us hanging sometimes. <laughs> and it's worse when you're alone in your home and there's nobody that you can really reach out to. Normally at the office, you're surrounded by your colleagues. There's probably an IT department or somebody where you can go with a broken laptop. And I actually have to give you an example of what happened to me a few months ago is that my charger of my laptop broke. And if I would have been at the office, it wouldn't have been a really big problem. There's multiple people with the same laptop there. So I probably would have lend the charger from a colleague to make my day uh, go through and uh, make sure that I, I got to the end of the day. But now working from home, it really became a problem because the charger had broken the in the morning and I, I was expected to work all day. So I tried managing with my battery time that was left throughout the day. But you know that after five hours, probably your laptop is dead. So you need to plan for your meetings. And then of course, there's still your cell phone. So I tried doing a few of those meetings via cell phone, but it's not that easy because your laptop is connected <laughs> to all your working resources. A technical challenge suddenly becomes a huge deal. And in the past, when you're working at the office, it never is that big. Yeah, exactly. You just walked over to the IT guys and said, guys, I need to spare. Can you lend me one? But yeah, that is one of the difficulties and something I wouldn't have really thought too much of before. What else? It's funny because with the benefits, we talked about better work-life balance. It's actually also a risk. It's also a challenge. So at that moment, we see poor work-life balance coming up. And there we really see that productivity, that increased productivity, it also has drawbacks. What we see is people, they get to that 13% of productivity because they do not take any breaks. So the risk that we are running there is that people become overworked and they feel guilty about it. So taking breaks is not okay to do. And what happens at the end of the day, you're more tired than ever. And especially in the long term, this can really be a big risk for your company because it can lead to your people feeling more burned out than ever. Indeed, work-life balance that is so fun <laughs> on one hand, it can actually trigger. What we also noticed there was that a lot of respondents, they actually said, yeah, I, I find it very difficult to separate my home life from my working life now. Normally, if I would have left home and the kitchen was dirty, I wouldn't have to look at it all day. So it's fine that the kitchen is dirty. But now because they're working from home, they keep passing that kitchen. And every time they go take a cup of coffee, that dirty kitchen is still there. So people feel as if they need to have everything perfect. So it's a lot of extra pressure on our shoulders as well. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, my work-life balance example isn't true for everyone. But it did, did make me think of someone that I know who's had a very difficult time dealing with disconnect, as you say, between the work and life outside of work. So they're on weekends or late at night on Slack, responding to messages when no one's expecting that to happen. Clearly, this is a problem. It's a very good example, Kanika, of poorly managed work-life balance, the way that we're struggling with different time zones and you're expected to be online 24-7 and it's 
connected to that guilt that people are feeling. Mm -hmm. We feel that when we're working from home, we need to prove that we're really working. So whenever we get an email, we answer it as fast as we possibly can. And that really leads to a poor deconnection from work. So that poor work-life balance coming back. But most interesting from the difficulties, Kanika, for me, that really was an eye-opener, is the lack of social interaction. Uh Ah, yes. Tell me more about that. What we actually found with that lack of social interaction is that whenever we looked at people's social life, we could see that before the pandemic, we would have what we call a working life, social life, and a private social life. And Mm -hmm. that working social life, that professional social life, those were your colleagues that you would have festive activities with whenever something was a success or whenever there was something nice to celebrate but it was also that group of people that whenever your work stumbled upon difficulties or whenever you had uh, something happening to you at work you would vent to those people and they would help you overcome those difficulties unfortunately what we could see during the pandemic and during the more remote working that we are doing now is that really professional support group is being moved towards the more personal support group because we don't see our colleagues that often anymore. Your private life is taking up the balance. So they're jumping in for the difficulties and celebrations that you should be doing with your working colleagues. And that, of course, is a very interesting thing that we see happening there. So a nice example of this is uh, when you are Working remotely, you don't see many people anymore. I, for instance, I have whole days that I go without actually seeing a person face to face. What happens then is that you save up all of those emotions and you save up all of those stories and you wait by the door for your partner to come home, (laughs) especially when he is not working from home. So what happens is what we call that puppy syndrome your partner comes in and he has been seeing people all day so he's a little bit overworked and he wants a little bit of calm but you're totally geared up to start telling your story so you just want to vent so we can really see that that influence of not having colleagues to vent towards it's actually tricking down into the private life nowadays and we see that most often it's actually family or friends that are taking up that burden so for me that was a real interesting new insight that we could see happening after these years of remote working. Yeah, that is quite interesting. And I, I suppose uh, extra burden on your on your partners or family, but yes. that also ties into the feeling of isolation you mentioned earlier. For those who don't have somebody at home they can talk to, it's even worse. Those are the difficulties. What do we do then? <laughs> Help me solve this. It's a difficult question, what do we do? But the easy answer to that would be we need to focus on the well-being of our people or the well-being of our employees. Yeah, great. That's simple. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds really simple, but actually there's multiple facets when it comes to well-being. I don't know if there's any that you can think of at the top of your mind. When you say well-being, my mind straight away goes to physical well-being around being fit and, and being well physically, and then uh, a lot of focus these days around mental well-being. 
I think those are two really important aspects. But actually, whenever we go into the literature, we can actually find three of them. So yeah. the first one, it's the physical well-being. So it's the things that you immediately think of when we're thinking about well-being. It's are you sleeping well? Are you taking enough time off from your screen? Because that is something that is happening nowadays. People are experiencing screen fatigue. We are working too much on our screens. We used to be in the office. We used to have these face-to-face -face meetings. And now that has all been transferred to laptops, to online environments. And what happens is that people feel tired of their screens. It's not that good for you. The blue light is not really mm. great if you're already struggling with sleeping issues. But on top of that, we're so connected to our screens that even when we walk away to take a break, whenever we're alone, what do we do? We take our <laughs> cell phone and we start scrolling. So again, a screen. So yes. there are some trouble there when it comes to that physical well-being. Absolutely true. The phone used to be the big thing that we talked about before, but now we never disconnected. What else do you have in terms of well-being? You mentioned two others. Yeah, so the second one you mentioned was mental, I believe, and it mm -hmm. actually connects quite well to what we call psychological well-being. So there we're really right. talking about the mental states of people. How are they feeling? Are they feeling well? Are they up for their work? Are they up for learning? And there we really see that... That's something that companies, they can support it already quite well. So we actually do a little bit of effort in that regard already. On the other hand, there are still a lot of things to do as well. <laughs> so for instance, what we see nowadays is that we don't pose the question, how are you doing enough? We actually fell into this trap as well before we kicked off this meeting, Kanika. I asked you, how are you? And then you replied, yes, I'm good. If I would have asked you twice, maybe you would have given me a totally different answer. Yeah, I would have thought you're serious that you really want to know. <laughs> exactly. So that's one of those little tips and best practices that we can apply. Just asking somebody, how are you feeling twice? It gives us a lot more insights. And what we actually see is that people are not always feeling that great. So it is important to spend a little bit of time on it. And it's some of the things that we see happening in a lot of companies as well is we plan meeting after meeting and we don't allow time for people to actually catch up. And those conversations that we used to have at the water cooler or at the coffee machine where informal things were being exchanged and learning was being done informally as well because you got to know people at those yep. moments in time, it's kind of falling away. So it's really important to keep track of people's psychological well-being there as well. Maybe it's good to finish off with uh, the third facet, the last yep. one of well-being. There we're really talking about social well-being and social well-being is one of the most undervalued principles when it comes to going digital. What we actually see there is that social well-being, it's a huge problem. It's something that uh, companies are really struggling with and here I, I hit back upon that support network and it becomes even more interesting when we delve into the research because we actually see that based on these past two years, there's a lot of social things going on and 
it's so interesting to see how things are developing because nowadays we even see new ways of social interaction. We actually see that those new ways of social interaction, they're being invented right now because people are feeling so isolated. So that support network that's falling away and that family and friends are taking it over, it's leading us towards new ways of working together. And this is really fun because, for instance, one of the things that we are seeing is that people are inventing new ways of dealing with each other. And what used to be face-to-face is now becoming digitalized. So what we can see there is you probably recognize this example, Kanika, but when we are sitting in a, a big room and you always have maybe a nice speaker at the front, but you always have these people in the room which you know well enough to kind of look each other in the eyes during that speaker's speech. So you kind of have these body language signals between each other. And nowadays, with going digital, we actually see that's falling away. So people can't read each other's body language anymore. So what we see nowadays with those big online meetings where everybody has their camera on is you suddenly see two or three of your colleagues smirking. Something's (laughs) going on. So the funny thing there is that there's actually different discourses popping up. So what we used to do via body language is now happening via messages. So what we see is there's different message forums going on. So it might be in the private chat that they're sending each other. It might be via WhatsApp. It might be via an email, but they're communicating internally, but through different media. So that's a really fun thing to see. Yeah. And it's also heartening that as a species, we humans will find new ways of socially interacting with each other as well. (laughs) We'll design and develop new ways. All right. That's interesting around the facets that you shared with us. So what can companies do about this? So surely they have an important role to play in digital well-being. So what advice do you have? We actually see the impact of well-being is immense. Well-being is really impacting the performance of colleagues. It's really impacting how willing they are to learn. So there's huge benefits in investing in well-being. And whenever we look at how to do this, we actually could find that there's three levels where well-being has an impact. So making sure that your team is feeling good, making sure that your employees are feeling good, it will impact on the individual level for the employees. And what we can see there is actually that people are feeling much more energetic when they're feeling well. So it means that they're coming up with a lot more new ideas. They're much more engaged towards the company. And what we also see, and that's a very interesting one because it's a part that many companies struggle with, is they're much more likely to trust the company, to trust Mm -hmm. teammates and themselves. So trust is a huge factor. So whenever we invest in making people feel good, we are automatically creating trust as well. Isn't that really cool to learn? Yeah, definitely. And that is such a hard thing to build, the trust. Exactly. So making sure that your people are feeling well is already creating that. And that for me is amazing. So what we actually found as well is that it has impact on the team level too. And there we found that collegiality was one of the factors really highly impacted together with sense of belonging. So whenever I talk about collegiality, it really is whenever your colleague has a problem or your teammate has a problem, how willing are you to jump in 
for that person? How willing are you to help out that person that is in need? And we actually saw that when people felt good, they were much more willing to help teammates and to make sure that those problems were overcome together. So that is really good for the company. The sense of belonging, I still wanted to hit upon that one as well. What we actually found is that when people felt good, they actually felt like they belonged to the team. Yeah. And that is also something that we are struggling with currently during the pandemic because that feeling of isolation was growing. We really see that whenever you let somebody feel like they're doing good and that their well-being is supported, at that moment, they will also feel better in the team and they will feel part of the team. So for the last level, I want to take some examples for the company level as well. And there we really see that organizational commitment. It is increased immensely whenever we support well-being of our employees. And that really is about making sure that your people are staying, making sure that your people feel good working within the company. And well, with the great resignation happening as we speak, yeah. of course, that's a really important factor, making sure that you have good well-being, making sure that you're investing in the digital well-being of your employees. It can help you overcome that great resignation, it can help you make sure that they're connected to your organization. And the last one, and I think that's a very fun one as well, we see that whenever you have good well-being, it also impacts identification. And identification is really how do I identify with my company? So that is a, a really lovely one because sometimes we forget that people, they need these kind of things to really feel well. And identification, it really helps your employees stay at the position where they are. And I always love to give this example <laughs> when it comes to identification, because it's one of the things that we don't always think about, a banner behind yourself whenever you have uh -huh. a meeting, because it signifies that you're working for that company but you can take it a step further as well you can have a mock with the company name and it really people will use this when they identify with the company so making sure that they feel well making sure that they have tools to use at home as well it can improve that identification it's something that's really interesting that i know that wiley started doing recently is when anybody new joins the organization, they get sent a welcome pack. There's something that makes you feel like you're part of the company. As we're onboarding people fully virtually these days, that's such, an, such a lovely gesture to do. And instantly you can create that commitment and the identification that you've talked about. It's a lovely example, Kanika, and it really helps you build well-being as well. Gives you already the first link with the company. And it's something that we really need to think about as companies. Yeah. Excellent. So when talk about well-being and doing things for your employees, what would you recommend that the managers or leaders who may be listening to us today, what do you recommend they could do? And this could be things they can do quickly, they can do in the long term, anything that you can share. Actually, through the conversations combined with the research, we found some really interesting short-term wins, long-term wins, but also some ideas that are harder to implement and easier to implement. So let's kick off with easy to implement and short-term mm. win. There we really see that supporting that remote office. And there we're talking about the things that we just said. That welcome package is such an important part. Making sure that you have the banner, it really increases that feeling of feeling professional when working from home. Plus, on top of that, it also helps with the kids. 
you can say, mom has the banner up, please don't interrupt currently. <laughs> so it helps separate that working life from your private life because we're all working at home now. So those identification methods, it becomes more important than ever. And then, of course, making sure that you have good materials, making sure that you have a separate screen to work on, making sure that you have a nice desk chair or a good desk to sit behind. So all of those things, they really factor into making sure that the remote working is supported at home as well. And that's, that is, as you say, easy to do, isn't it? It's, it's not something that requires too much planning ahead and stuff like that. It's actually a checklist that you can implement and you can follow. So it is easy to implement and short-term win. We also found some harder to implement, but short-term wins as well. So there we really found a lot of mindfulness activities that you could implement because people are not taking breaks. So you force them to do it because we know that taking a break is beneficial you will work harder afterwards and you will have a lot more concentration to spare so taking those breaks is really it's something that sometimes you need to force people towards especially now with the remote working and the guilt taking a break is not being seen as okay everywhere so this is an activity that can support that and make it okay to take a break but there we also see the extra leave days so making sure that people have some days to plan in because well if everybody is indeed according to the research being 13 percent more productive each day at the end of the month that must give you some extra hours so why not give them half a day off at the end of the month they worked for it they just don't know it <laughs> yes exactly that's a brilliant idea so for long term and easy to implement we actually see social activities people are actually lacking social interaction so social activities become much more important than ever it's such a huge influence that we're thinking about as companies and it actually has a huge influence on the performance and the learning of your people so making sure that there's social activities going on such as an online scavenger hunt having an online coffee break having an online celebration having an online sharing round just making sure that not every online meeting has to do with work making sure that there's some time to get to know each other and make sure that those conversations that we were talking about at the water cooler that they can still happen online as well because we do see that people before the pandemic people were having a huge network and when we look at them now the network has been shrinking the good factor in that kanika is that although mm. the network has been shrinking the contexts are much more profound and much more in-depth however we do need that big network to make sure that organizations survive for the future mm -hmm. and in that same quarter we can also find regular check-ins you need to communicate more than ever and just making sure just asking how are you doing as a manager towards your employees and maybe asking it twice it can help you monitor all of those things a third thing that you can do is allow for more flexibility in schedules. And the last one is more physical activities. Again, taking those breaks, making sure that the physical well-being of your employees is being supported. And it can be as easy as CrossKnowledge itself does, at least before the pandemic. We had at Thursdays, we had people running around the office giving massages during lunch breaks. So something like that. We had yoga. There was a lot to do during Thursday lunch breaks and it was always fun and a good way to connect with colleagues yeah that's great and and also you did 
talk about briefly about flexibility in work schedule. And I think that's such a great point. You probably not overlook uh, how important that can be. And again, another example from here at Wiley, they introduced last meeting free Friday and an afternoon for for doing your own mindfulness activities or learning for yourself where you spend time on yourself. And that was such an important part of everyone's week then. And it wasn't hard to implement. It was just about the right communication. So I think that really is also another really good example of how companies can do that too. Yeah, I really like that one. Thank you for explaining that one. And then maybe for the last one, which is the last quadrant, hard to implement, but long-term win. Well, Kanika, there we're hitting upon the most difficult one. And that really is changing leadership behavior. It really is about making sure that we trust each other and that manager is not constantly watching over your shoulder, but trusting you to be working. Even with that 13% increase in productivity, Mm -hmm. people are feeling guilty. So it's really important to get managers in the right mindset that working from home is equally productive as working at the office. And there we really see that change in leadership behavior. It's needed to support that. That's absolutely right. And that's a topic for a whole another conversation, isn't it? But I think you nailed it with that, that working from home is equally productive as working from the office. And I think on that note, we can we can say that this has been a really great conversation. And I've really enjoyed hearing all these different things that you've shared today, especially around the well-being. Some really nice examples of how we can implement it as well at our organizations. So thank you for sharing all your lovely ideas. Thank you, Kanika. Thank you for joining us today. We hope to see you again for the next episode of the Cross Knowledge Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues.